The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But yeah. seven of you out there predicted, or no, five of you predicted the seven of uh, seven of the eight, eight division, division winners. winners. Congratulations. You can clip this off and share it with your friends and go, does that guy know how to talk? Uh, what podcast are you listening to? Oh, yeah, baby, that's right. Playoff edition, Super Wild Card Weekend, and it was super. That's right, Chris Sims, Ahmed Farid, Morgan is here with her giant sweatshirt. We oh. got it all going on today. All we right? saw Morgan, if we, you're we, watching. She got her on, they, now they know what she looks like. On YouTube, while well, she was on the pod, showing That's up right. for Joe Burrow. Well, now they sweatshirt. know again. <laughs> yeah. If you missed that episode in the Cape, yeah, now you know what time right. she arrives. Although this is, you know. It's, Typical millennial shit. No. Just showing up, just a little late, you know. <laughs> that's not I mean, true. Gosh, no, that's damn, not true. Kids. That is not true. Working hard last night. She's always she was. here. She was she's working late. from home, too, right. in the morning. Yes. So it's not like she's just started Relax. her day right you now. You don't have to stick up for her so much. We're not going to get her fired. I'm not okay? going to let that slide. You and your damn Michigan colors today. Wrong, yeah. wrong league. Wrong football. Okay, we're, we're on to college basketball Woo! for Michigan. What a day, though. Seriously, what a day. What a weekend. It's not even over yet because we got Bucks Cowboys tonight. That's gonna be awesome. But um, yeah, it was awesome. It you were was. working all weekend. I have been working all week nonstop. I have yet to have a day off. I'm just gonna go straight through. Apparently, mm-hmm. nobody cares at NBC. Don't worry. Just yeah. keep going. Here we yeah, go. All those uh, Amazon <laughs> delivery drivers out there and uh, waiters are crying. For, just keep uh, for going. Right yep. They keep going. Uh, the, no. <laughs> this was, it was, so here's the note that I clipped off yeah. on uh, this super wild card weekend. Right. Because I was like, at this point, it's becoming cliche to be like, oh, what a crazy weekend of football. Because we've I've used the word crazy 7,000 times on this podcast, and I will use it many more times today. Sam hopping out on Twitter. I saw this tweet. I don't know who that is, but he had a good tweet. The weekend of football featured, quote, the third largest comeback in playoff history, both games with a double-digit spread within three points at halftime, a six-seed upset uh, a three-seed, and four of the five games ending as one-score games, just an incredible start to the playoffs. Yeah, it, I mean, it was. It's, it's been, I, you know, I know you saying the word crazy, whatever, unconventional. It's been one of the most unconventional years we've ever seen. And, yeah, I mean, I'm one that, you know, I wanted to jump on, oh, I don't like the 2-7 matchups, right? And I wish we'd go back to the old 1-6 through six seed and all that. But, hey, 
shit, it's hard to argue the games this weekend. Even the game that was the most dominant, which was the 49ers over the Seahawks, was a very competitive game for a long time. To Seattle where we was were, up right, at we, halftime. Right. We were sitting there, and it's, you know, even at 23-17 going, oh, man, Seattle's hanging around, and they're driving down here. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a great weekend, and I'm expecting a great game tonight that's going to be good, too. But, um, you know, I mean, the weekend was good, but it became great around 7 p.m. on Sunday afternoon <laughs> with the G-Man. So, yeah, we could have started with any game. Suck it, Florio! We Suck it, Vikings! We could have started with any game, yeah. but Morgan shows up wearing her giant sweatshirt. Right. She wore it yesterday, too. Pete's here wearing his Giants winter hat. Yes. You're here wearing black, mourning the Vikings for Mike Florio. <laughs> right, good friend so, I am. So we're going to start with the Giants. The upset of the weekend. Beating the Vikings 31-24, and we were all over this. Not to toot our own horn. I know, it's an like upset of the weekend, and you're, as you're saying, I'm like, is it really an upset? I mean, it was, but you it wasn't. You picked the Giants to win, not just because you wanted them to win, because really you thought, thought they, they would. would win. Right. Uh, and we, we talked about it all year, yeah. how winning one-score games, which they did most of the year, yeah. helps you get into the playoffs. Right. It does. I mean, it, uh, 100%. That's why yeah. they got to the playoffs. Right. I don't know that it helps you in the playoffs, and we saw it for the first time all year, the Vikings lost right. a one-score game in the playoffs. Yeah, it, one score game in the playoffs against a team that really does believe in itself right now and is riding the emotions of getting in the playoffs against a team that went there just a few weeks ago and certainly like we did last Wednesday on what the fuck happened Wednesday or what the fuck will happen Wednesday, right? Where we broke down and went like this. They outplayed the Vikings and lost the game. Right? Yeah. I mean, we, we said that on the podcast. Like, oh, the, the Giants are going to go back and be able to sell to their team. Like, hey, we don't throw this interception. We don't fumble this ball here. We catch this one here. We don't have a punt block. We're as good as this team. We can win. So, And then the Giants also a team a lot like the Vikings that are very comfortable in one-score games. So they were going to be intimidated by the, oh, no, the Vikings in a one-score game. They is right in the wheelhouse of the Giants, too. I mean, all year's been one-score games for the most part. Um, but but it was um, – it was a fun game to watch. I think. I think it was. I don't. I'm a Giants fan. I know it was. I mean, I. I know I felt that way. But did you feel that way at home? Hundred percent. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was lack of defense. A lot of big plays on the offensive side of the ball. And yeah, I think all the things that you know you're kind of going into here that we were worried about with the Vikings as talking about are they really an elite football team, kind of showed itself yesterday. You know, it's just it. It's it's amazing that they were 13 and four with that defense. I mean, was that was that me? Was that the greatest show on turf yesterday? Or was that the New York Giants? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean come on, that was their two best games offensively were probably the two games versus the Vikings. Probably, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's just so that's where you, I mean, listen, if we're going to start, we're going to break this game down. I know that. But yeah. the, the first guy that we just got to throw love to is Daniel Jones and Daniel Jones, what he's been through, what he's doing right now has a little support system, the coaching, everything there, the way he played yesterday. Mm -hmm. That was fucking like phenomenal. That wasn't just good. And I feel like people, because it's Daniel Jones and it was the Vikings, everyone's going to kind of go, well, and I want to go like, what? I don't like, I know the Vikings aren't good, but still that was like torch you with his arm, torch you with his legs. He did everything yesterday yeah. and uh, he was phenomenal. And it's just great to kind of finally see him ride the wave of winning after his first few years of struggling. Yeah. The Vikings forced just two punts in the game. One right. of them was late after that Slayton drop that would have given him a first down. So then the Giants had to get a stop. Right. And they Third and 13. He's going to catch that. a crossing route, right? He's going to get the first down. Wide open turf ahead of him. Right. Wide open turf. Right. Um, yeah. I, 
So I want to read the stat here yeah. for the Giants because yeah. or for the Vikings because it it wasn't like they played poorly. No. This is like their defense is not good enough. Exactly right. So ba- exactly this, is, right. this came from Optus Stats. It says the Vikings are the only team in the Super Bowl era to complete at least eighty percent of their passes with no turnovers, no sacks. Uh, still lose regular season or postseason. NFL teams had been forty-seven and zero when doing that. They really played like just as well as they have all year. It's not like they choked in the postseason because I feel like that's a storyline with the Vikings. They'll, they'll choke I, in the postseason. To call that right, their defense was as bad as it's been all year. Exactly right. And their offense was pretty good. Right. It just there wasn't the maybe one or two less big plays from the Vikings offense that we usually see, maybe. Now, they right? held Justin Jefferson in check. Right. So that uh, that was one thing I wanted to hit you about yeah. because Next Gen Stats talked about the Giants and how they played him. Now, the first time they played him, he went off, 133 yards, right. I think. Not big plays, though. A lot of lot of targets, okay. right? right. And that's kind of what we hit on. It was I remember we said uh, they could probably live with that stat line right. again, right? It was yes. 10 for 133, but they even improved on that, something I'm excited to kind of watch on film. So here, when you watch yeah. it on film yeah. take take this into note maybe you can explain what this is right uh, next gen stats goes the giants use of split safety coverage right. in two games against the vikings has been a major tendency breaker compared to every other opponent this season yes so versus minnesota 64 percent versus all others 30 percent yeah right. so what is that exactly well it, it's just the, the giants safety coverage. wink martindale their defense he's famous for kind of playing man-to-man and being creative with blitzing right so usually when you blitz, yes, you're going to play a single safety defense. Uh, and, and usually with the Giants, it is man-to-man. Sometimes there's some blitz zone cover three, right? So those are your single safety defenses. Wink Martindale's not one of those guys that goes, hey, let's play cover two. Let's play Tampa two. Let's play two-man. He's always trying to be creative and stress you out in certain ways there. But he did this in the first matchup where it was more zone than any game I had saw this year. Uh, when I, I mean, when I went back and watched, I was like, damn, they played more zone than I remembered. I, I didn't realize they did it this much, hmm. right? And, and even within that, even in some of the plays in the first matchup where it might have been man on one side, you know, they'd, they'd find a way to always kind of shade the safety over there as far as towards Justin Jefferson. And it looked like we got that again yesterday, certainly a good amount of it. And then even when they did play single safety, I think in a lot of big downs, they, they doubled them too. So they just went, okay, yeah, this is single safety, but we're kind of bracketing you. We got a guy, if you go inside, a guy goes outside, they weren't going to let him go off. And the thing that's risky about that, and the thing we talked about a little bit on Wednesday is, you know, okay, that's an extra guy in coverage or whatever else. Oh, man, the Vikings should be able to run the ball against some of those looks. Yeah. Again, I think we could argue that the Vikings probably could have ran the ball more in this football game. Same thing you said when Same they played before. The other, exactly right. They just they get a little too pass-happy at times. Um, I was a little surprised by that yesterday. But I guess the Giants came away going, hey, we'd rather lose that way than you just bombing it with Justin Jefferson. And they put the faith in their big guys up front. And – you know, Sexy Dexy was phenomenal yesterday. He was Sexy Dexy was the best. I'm just trying to look at the schedule. Sexy Dexy was the best defense alignment in all of Super Wild Card Weekend. I don't know if somebody from Dallas or Tampa will upset that discussion tonight, but he put like Sam and we Hubbard, should put that Sam on Hubbard like Twitter back. or Instagram. Quote that right there. Sexy Dexy, best D alignment of Super Wild Card Weekend. Hey, talk about our fuck the play up, right? Yeah. I mean. He had the interior offensive line of the Vikings on skates the whole game. He had a team-high eight pressures in the Giants' first playoff win since 2011. This is from Next Gen. Right. 
Uh, he has generated 29 pressures, aligned as a zero tech this season. That is 21 more than any other player. That's insane. He's he's explain what that is. Well, it's zero tech is like head up, true nose tackle, right? So. You know, there's no trying to shoot through a gap. It's literally like, no, we want you to be right here. That guy to snap the ball. And we want you to, if it's a pass, just hammer the guy <laughs> and manhandle him and push him back. <laughs> if it's a run, it goes back to the conversation we have a lot. Stand him up. Hold him there, right? He's only 315 pounds, so yeah. just hold him there. And all then right? just throw him to one side or the other. throw him to one side or the other. Right? So five of his pressures, five of his eight pressures were as the zero tech. Yeah, it's, zero it's, tech he's, he's incredible. And it just we've seen the year as the year has gone on, he's gotten better and better and better to where he has jumped in the conversation as one of the best defensive tackles in football. Mm. Not, and not even just a big run stopper at 345. It's literally like you're talking about. It's true disruption. Him and Leonard Williams were phenomenal in the football game. Sexy Dexy big time. But he yeah. had a roughing the passer oh, penalty. A nothing the passer. Right, that you know what I am I, like. I'm one that's sympathetic to the NFL because yeah. I'm like, you do need to protect these quarterbacks because mm-hmm. it can get pretty lame pretty fast right. if we don't have Patrick Mahomes and right. Josh Allen and you know Joe Burrow in these games. I like, I you. get that. Yeah. So, like, I'm more sympathetic, but I think that one might have been the worst one ever. That was like grazing of the face mask, right? As he's like literally going to grab. Is that what him. it called? A shot to the head? They or called was a the... shot to the head, which is, again, it's wrong. It's supposed Ooh. to be forcible contact to wow. the head. That was not forcible. No. Right. It's, it's just, and it, it bothered me. No doubt about it. But either way, his pressure, you know, on the last play of the game, the, you know, really the last two plays of the game, they threw the crossing route to Osborne, which got broken up. You know, maybe Cousins could have led him a little bit more, but it was a good play by the defender. Dexter Lawrence got pressure on that play. And then we had the fourth down play where I know Kirk Cousins is taking a lot of crap right now for throwing it short. Yeah. On a, what was it, fourth and eight? Fourth um, and eight. So let's yeah, take a look right. at it. He threw it, you know, three yards downfield to to TJ Hawkinson, my Detroit Lion, who played pretty well for them. Yeah, he I did. Think that's a he trade did. that worked out for both yeah. teams here. So here's the here are the dots. What What should he have done? Well, listen, here's the big thing. This is not doing a total just like justice as far as Dexter Lawrence had been living at oh, right ninety seven right had yep. been living in Kirk Cousins' lap for the most of the game so he's, he's right conscious there of that right he's conscious of it you know when you talk about quarterbacks with the internal clock right like yeah when your internal clock's been disrupted it's a big play here you don't want to go down with a sack right so he doesn't want to go down that way and it's what he said after the game and, and right too. and to the point of what he said also after the game like hey there's probably been a lot of times this year he's thrown the ball short of the first down marker and then his guy makes a move and breaks a tackle and gets a first down well yeah because what's worse than throwing it short of the first down marker right. taking a sack exactly. if he takes a sack right there everyone's like you can't take a sack exactly right, there. right. he's gonna get killed here yeah. so hey in the perfect world hey he's gonna watch this tomorrow and go wish i wish i would have just thrown to 17 across the middle right yeah he's looking at justin jefferson on his right when he drops back jefferson is doubled by julian love and and um uh, uh you know uh 22 pete our corner uh Adoree Jackson, holy cow, I couldn't think of his name. So he doubled there. He doesn't like that. But I feel like his really his next look is Hawkinson, then to 17 over the middle. But I'm sure he feel like he didn't have enough time to get over to 17. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we'd love for him to maybe, you know, step to the right, run to the right, try to extend the play, and then throw the ball over the middle. Right. Uh, but I'm glad you described it like that. Yeah, because I think a lot of people see that, and one of the first analysis that they want to make is, like, what an idiot Kirk Cousins is. Yeah, but it's, it's really because – 
Dexter Lawrence, like we talked about, right. it's it's really more of a positive play for the Giants than it is a negative play for the Vikings. Agreed. It, it was it was a microcosm of what we saw all game long. It was Dexter Lawrence dominating the middle of their interior offensive line and causing issues for them. And one of the reasons that, yeah, they got off the field a bunch of times on third downs and stuff was because of pressure of Dexter Lawrence making them feel uncomfortable waiting for pat- patterns to, to develop down the field. But hey, the one thing I'll say here, I don't like the Kirk Cousins stuff. I don't love it, all right? Kirk Cousins was one of the definite bright spots of their football team yesterday totally. and for the season. You know, they're, we're, here we are. It's the day after the game, and we're talking about Kirk Cousins, and I'm going, that was the shittiest fucking defensive performance you could – I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah. The Giants going on four-play 80-yard drive, six-play 75-yard drive, 20-play field goal drive. I mean – Again, yeah, to have to have one of the worst, if not the worst defense in football, yes, speaks to the quality of the offense. Exactly. And so that's cousins. where I want everybody just to be like, come on, let's be a little realistic here. I understand he's not a superstar and he hasn't won in prime time and there's all of that. But damn, he's like one of the least concerning things on their football team. He's not the story. Right. So please, let's everybody, let's not always do that. The story is their crappy defense. The story is that Daniel Jones played as good as a first playoff football game you're ever going to see in your life. So let's talk about that a little bit more because John Hussein Kennedy writes in, damn, Dayball is amazing. He's unlocking Daniel Jones the same way he did with Josh Allen. Josh is better, but Jones is definitely more than good. So how much credit do you give Dayball? A ton. I mean... This is where the day ball magic, you know, even after the game. Did you see the post-game press conference? He's just saying good. Oh, I don't know. I and the Giants was media magic. was like, wait a second. Uh, That's why all are you not more do? effusive yeah. with your praise? He's like, you guys are the writers. You can pick whatever adjective yeah, you yeah, want. I'm not, I'm not a writer. Yeah. I thought good was a good adjective. But, that's yeah. kind of, but I, I think that's their strategy to that, right? A hundred percent, Ahmed. You're right. Right. He's like, it's like... Uh, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, school of coaching, right? Yeah. Where it's a little more... You know, uh, affable and a good, like, not quite as like, oh, well, Bill Belichick and, you know, maybe not yeah. as tough and mean as Parcells could be. But he's trying to let you know, I really liked his performance, but he's not going to go crazy. Well, because everyone else is. Well, right? he, exactly like, you, right. That's the time when you don't need to. And as a this head is what's got him here, anyways. Yeah. He hasn't just always been like, oh, you're the best. You're the awesome. He's pushed buttons. He's going, wait, we got a fucking game next week against the Eagles. I'm not ready to have a parade here down, you know, in the middle of New York City yet. So he's just the right tone there. He's proud of his guy. He made sure that everybody knew as the leader of our football team, of course, I'm very happy with him. He used just the right tone. And, yes, it was an amazing moment, and he deserves a ton of the credit. Mm-hmm. You know, what was things we, we, we've talked about Daniel Jones together over the last year or two, right? We've talked about how awesome he is in front of the podium. You know, We've talked about – the team has given him no chance to succeed. It wasn't just a bad offensive line. It was the worst by far offensive line, sure. right? Dayball, one, fixed the offensive line. Two, worked an offensive system that made sense for the team and the way it was built. And then within that, slowly built the confidence of Daniel Jones. And to go, hey, hey, execution, hey, good, we won a game, we're winning games, you're not making mistakes, ooh, you're making a few plays. This, we had this progression during the year of, oh, like, hey, he's just taking care of the ball. And then it went to, damn, he's making a lot of plays with running the ball. And, you know, he's being efficient in the pass game, too. And then it started to become, damn, he's dangerous running. I mean, it's dangerous. And, damn, he's, he's really making a lot of plays with these guys. I don't even know who they are at receiver. To now, here we are at the end of the year going, shit, he's taking over games. Yeah. 
And I think the biggest thing to our our, our listener and, and John Hussein Kennedy's point is he's got him to be less robotic. He's got him, like uh, uh, we've talked about in the offseason, like his big issue, standing in the pocket, just sitting there trying to do what the coach said, go to one read, go to two read, go to three read. I'm in the pocket, I'm in the pocket. Dayball's got him to be like, hey, dude, remember when we fucking played backyard football when you were 12 and, like, if the first guy wasn't open, you just fucking run around and try to make something happen? And he's just got a great feel for that. And to me, that was another thing to get on the Vikings about. Like, did the Vikings not think Daniel Jones could scramble? Yeah. Was there no plan of, like, we're just going to rush him like he's some normal guy? He's legitimately fast. R- exactly right. I mean, he's high 4-5-ish fast. And, and, and I'm in, like, all right, we know Jalen Hurts is a better runner. We know Justin Fields is a better runner. Lamar. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Kyler Murray, okay, maybe. Kyler Murray, maybe. Because, again, the, the size of Daniel Jones and his ability to put the shoulder down like a Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts and them to get extra yards, that, we don't give that value enough. But he's, I mean, arguably top five-ish, top six-ish running quarterback yeah. in football, Which right? you would never think because of the think. size. Right. The shape Stiff of his white guy. shape of his head. Right. Short haircut. <laughs> You're You're like, that guy's not fast. <laughs> no, he is pretty fast. And yeah, in his in his uh, top receiver in this game was Isaiah Hodgins. Right. Look who at that. Started the year with Buffalo. I know. Former six round pick in twenty twenty out of Oregon State. I kinda had to look all that stuff up. But yeah. um yeah, the weapons I mean, although I will want, I will say Saquon Barkley. And I, I don't like to say, like, someone wanted it more because they all want it. They're all professionals, yeah. and they all are trying hard, and they're at the top of their craft. But it, it did seem like Saquon Barkley had a little bit more oomph, you know, carrying defensive linemen into the end zone, finishing the runs, as Pete says in my ear. Yeah, it, it did seem like he really enjoyed playing in this game. Agreed. It, it felt like the Giants had a – and I, this is no disrespect because the Vikings had a great year, and Kevin O'Connell did like, – it seemed like the Giants had a little more intensity on the field overall. Right, uh, at least that was my sense, and again, not that I felt like Minnesota was asleep, but it was just from the get-go, all right. The Vikings they go down, they get the good drive, right? It was a little work, and they score a touchdown, but it was twelve plays, seventy-five. You go, oh, okay, well, that was a good drive, but the way the Giants answered, and the funny thing is, of course, me and Florio are sitting there watching, and I'm yelling and being obnoxious, but like. Jason Garrett looked over him and went, man, I don't know. You might need to get worried. That looked really easy, right? That was like I said, Morgan's shaking her head because she heard him say it too. And it was just like the Giants came out hitting on all cylinders, and you could tell they had a game plan to expose the Minnesota Vikings. And, again, I thought one, hey, run the ball a little bit more in this game. You know, they still obviously didn't want to do that. They still felt like, hey, forget that. We can throw in this team at will, right? And they did for the most part, and uh, Jones was phenomenal. Took some chances, that uh, game-winning drive. They went for fourth and one at the seven where Chris was furious until they got it, and he was like, okay, good call. <laughs> what do you, you think about that? No, I, w- I wasn't going crazy there. I wasn't. I, I actually was... Dayball's earned your trust. Dayball's earned my trust. And he doesn't games. just do it just to do it or just say, I'm going to be aggressive. Well, and you got Daniel Jones. He ended up getting two yards on that, I think. Great. Up the middle. He's great at that type of stuff. And then I think in a game like this where, you know, we were getting to the point of the game where it felt like, I don't know if we can really stop Minnesota either. It was the right game to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, we were at, that was at a point of the game where it felt like, okay, whoever has the ball last is going to win the game here. 
And then I know we got into a few defensive stops. But, yeah, I mean, hey, that was a big fourth and one. Another big fourth and one, and I think people will forget about, is the Vikings were lining up to go in fourth and one, and they false started, right? Had to kick the field goal. So they were down there 24-21. Yeah. It could have ended up being 28-24 because of the false start by Derisaw, yep. right? That made it fourth and six. They kicked the field goal. It makes it 24-all. Uh, that was a big moment in the game, too. But, yeah, it just felt like the Giants really made a lot of big plays and big moments. Really, I only felt like they made one mistake the whole game, and that was on the touchdown that would have put them up 21-7. to But Bellinger, if you remember, jumped off sides or false started a little bit as they had a guy in motion, and then oh, he yeah. kind of started early. They scored the touchdown, but it got called back. They had to settle for a field goal and only went up 17-7 instead of 21-7. Yeah. But other than that, that man. That was a 20-play drive, right, 85 yards. Right. That was yeah. unreal. That was really one of the only negative spots you could talk about for the Giants all game long. You could talk about this game forever. Oh, yeah, I Much could. Much like my Lions game. And one more thing. Last thing about the Vikings. Look at you, one more thing. One more thing. Just about the Vikings. Right. Because I think this sucks for the fan base. You know, because they kind of knew they were borderline, not fraudulent, but right. it was like it was more dicey than 13-4 and four would indicate. Yes. I don't think they're much different than my Detroit Lions at this point. You know, really good offense. You got a lot of things you feel good about there. And fix the defense. You do that. And, I mean, you can make some strides. And they, they can Definitely. probably improve this defense. You have to be able to improve this defense. Agreed. De- Definitely. I mean, again, I, I think the defensive coordinator is probably going to come under some heat. So that's going to be a question with Ed Donatel. And then some players in the secondary. You know, another defensive tackle. They need something there. Yeah, but linebackers, pass rusher, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the offense, you're right. They got what they need there. Mm-hmm. They could probably get a little better up front. They're probably, I would think the Thielen era is him being the number two guy is about over. He's no longer what he was. Yeah. So maybe get another receiver in the mix here. But, yeah, I expect Minnesota to still be very much in the mix in the NFC, to your point, just like your Detroit Lions. And uh, it was a really good year. It was a really good year. And they they were clutch and won a lot of games that we sat here and go, man, I they shouldn't have won that game. And, unfortunately, that leads to – like high expectations Mm because you kind of start to expect it. But I think the reality is, is like what you're saying. People with, I wasn't trying to be a jerk when I was going, I don't, I can't believe they won that game. Or if you watch this game without the touchdowns, you would have gone, wait, they lost this game, right? At a point, uh, having to give the the reality of the situation, having the worst defense in football is going to come back to exactly right. Right. And then at some point, yeah, during the year, even though it was bad, they were making plays and stopping teams from at least scoring touchdowns. And that started to fall apart too. They started to not make plays and teams were going down there and scoring touchdowns, just like we saw the Giants do yesterday. Around any corner, Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. We will do the Requiem for the Vikings a little bit later on. Now it is time for Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. And this one was the craziest game of a crazy Super Wild Card weekend. The Jaguars come back from 27 down to beat the Chargers 31-30. to The final score, your headline for this game is... Writing receipts that your ass can't cash. <laughs> yes, that doesn't make sense, but it does. Well, we saw their social media tweet. Right. It was all the receipts they had. On all those people receipts. People they're done. Chargers are not very good. and Which, by the way, half those takes in that video. Were when they were not very good. And I was like, they might still be true. They might not be able to get it done <laughs> in the playoffs. Uh, which it was true. It turned out to be true. They cannot cash those receipts. No, they cannot. As, as you put it. Uh, third biggest comeback in NFL playoff history. Uh, and I did think this as, the, as it was developing. I go, the best time to fall down by 27 points is the first quarter. The second best time is the second quarter. <laughs> so if you are going to fall down big, you, you want to do that early, as opposed to Seattle, who did it late in, in their, their game. So the Jaguars did have some time, although it, it appeared like it didn't matter because they were not going to have answers for this Chargers defense that you think came out with a pretty good game plan against the Jaguars. Definitely. definitely. It's, it's hard for me not to think that the, the, ja the Chargers were all over the Jaguars stuff early on in the football game. They obviously found some tendencies and some rules that they could hardline teach their guys in the secondary going like, you know, hey, if there's three receivers to the right and the second receiver breaks inside, the third receiver is going to break inside too. That's what, I'm, that, that's what I mean by route reading. That's what teams are being taught, even in man coverage, same type of thing. And I got that, you know, feeling. You know, from a few plays where I went, damn, the Chargers guy broke on that route before the Jaguars guy even made the break, right? You know, think about, I think it was the fourth interception. Uh, by, uh, it was the Asante Samuel. He cut off the in-cut kind of down the middle. I mean, he broke before the receiver did. Mm -hmm. See, those are, those are things that start to tell me, like, oh, they got to beat. Like, Staley's taught them if this guy goes there, this guy's going to go there, right? And they certainly were all over it. But the second half, there was obviously some adjustments. And I think they started to get a feel for, like, wait, they're jumping these type of things, so let's start to do this and that. Uh, like, I don't even know where to begin here. I think that where to begin is with the quarterback. Just like we talked about with Daniel Jones. I mean, you throw four interceptions – five first-half turnovers and you just kind of hang in there and don't blink and don't, like, falter more, yeah. crumble, that's where Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson's ability to make Trevor feel confident was very special. Late in the first half, right. Trevor Lawrence had thrown four interceptions. He had completed four passes yeah. to his own team. He was right. four for 16. Right. So it wasn't even just those interceptions. It was like he was, there was off nothing. the mark. There yes. was nothing. Right. It was just like, yeah, like you mentioned, they were all over everything. Right. 
Uh, you met with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. A couple, like, what was it, a day before the game? Thursday, Thursday. Thursday, two, two days, days before. before the game. Yeah, right. Um, the gift and the curse. Yeah, right. Were you feeling like, oh, this is going to come back on me? Here. Everybody. I high-fived Everybody him. was texting me in our company, of course. Yes. Yeah. Including my boss. Like, oh, great, you jinxed Trevor. Oh, too many daps, too many this, too many that. What struck you about meeting him, though, that maybe you didn't think previously? Um, like we learned something watching this game. Like yeah. he didn't get down after those four interceptions. Right. Was there anything that in the interview where you're like, okay, this is interesting? He's used to be Mister. Just don't let anything bother me. Yeah, and he's started to listen and use it as motivation. Interesting, right? He'll be learned to like understands what's being said about him, and he uses it to give himself a little bit of a, a chip on his shoulder, right? And uh, that that was cool. I thought. Where he's, he's kind of embraced it. He also embraced the magnitude of the playoffs. That's why I wasn't like, when he started to kind of mount the comeback, I went and went, you know, because he, he made it very aware that he was, you know, hey, numbers, I, they can be overrated. They don't tell the story, but I do pay attention to them and what other quarterbacks are doing because I want to be thought of as the best and I see what they do and I want to be up there with them. So, you know, there's a drive for a guy that's cool and calm and always has a smile on his face and doesn't ever seem to get pissed or yell at anybody, right? But, there is a drive to be great from the guy that is apparent. And he's just got – he just, you know, couldn't be a nicer guy and just a way about him of, like, yeah, you believe in him because you could tell he believes in yeah. himself. In a thick, long neck, which oh. I'm glad you started the you interview like that? off. Just good, like, good. <laughs> yeah. right off, Let's right just talk it. about your neck, Better first break, of all. Break the ice a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah, but it was, he was that, – that was – one, like, let's go through it a little bit. The first interception, not his fault. Right yep. guard doesn't make the block. It's an RPO. Sebastian Joseph Day does a great job getting his hand up, all right? Interception. Second interception. It's a fourth down, right? They run what we would call a seven stop, a reverse curl route, whatever. It's pass interference in Asante Samuel. It's pass interference a thousand out of a thousand times all regular season in the first half of a football game. Not called, which was an issue with me throughout this weekend. We saw no pass interference called where I want to go. This is called every time in every game during the regular season. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter anymore, which is annoying to me. So that was a bad one. And then I'm trying to think of the the third one. I'm blanking on the third one. Uh, the third one was the shallow cross to Evan Ingram, right? He's throwing the crossing route. Asante Samuel gets it playing Tampa 2, playing the Tampa 2 corner. Yeah. You know, there's rules there. One, Evan Ingram, usually in a shallow cross, you see zone, you have to sit down by the backside tackle. He didn't sit down. He kept running. But that doesn't matter. Quarterback's got to see the throws. You can't just trust. And Trevor Lawrence has played enough football to drop back and go, oh, that's Tampa 2. Like, he shouldn't continue to run, and then I shouldn't throw the ball, right? And then there was the in-cut we just talked about where Asante Samuel jumped, jumped all over it. So there was a little bit of bad play by Trevor, a little unlucky, good defensive game planning by the Chargers, right? The, then they dropped the punt, all right? And to me, this is one of the marquee moments of the game. I Really, after one interception, they made the Chargers settle for a field goal as they got inside the 10-yard line. Yeah. And then after the block punt, or drop punt, 24 nothing. They got a chance if they score a touchdown to go up 31, right? And to me, I mean, that would have put – that even looks different than 27. Sure. And they held them to a field goal 
and then put the drive together late in the first half that I think was kind of the jump-off point. To, okay, wait, we're settled in. I got a little confidence. Doug Peterson did a great job on that drive, throwing some short passes, some swing passes, let him yep. see the ball go in the basket a few times. Okay, I feel pretty good. And then Trevor came out in the second half firing. So those four touchdowns, one of them, I think the, the one, the deep one, the Zay Jones, Zay Jones, thirty nine right. That was when we were like, okay, that's when you started to believe, right? That was, was when you went, yes. they might be able to come back here because they're down ten at the end of the third quarter. Right. Where I think it was hard to get out of your mind that they were at one time down twenty seven because any team down ten entering the fourth quarter, you would never think like, oh, they're out of it. You'd right. be like, oh, they're they're within right. two scores. Right, here. They, they're definitely in this game. Um, was there anything specifically? I know you looked at that play yeah. a little bit. You, you mentioned the adjustments that right. Doug Peterson may have made. Right. Was there anything specific about that play? It, you know, it's, it's interesting. So if you'll see this play and you're watching here on YouTube, on the right, they're playing cover two. On the left, they're kind of playing a quarter's coverage, right? Asante Samuel, number 26 on the left of your screen here, he takes Evan Ingram, who's running the little out route, right, which he's supposed to do. He's right here. Now, Derwin James... Right, He is looking across the field and looking at the number three receiver, which is Christian Kirk. And I think his rule is to take that guy if he crosses. Hmm. Right, But this is where coaching adjustment, game planning, oh, wait, I got to play for that that can screw this over comes in very handy. So what they did was they sent him over there and sat Christian Kirk right in front of Derwin James. Now he takes the cheese, and now Zay Jones goes behind him. Now, I don't know exactly how this is supposed to be played. I don't know if Derwin James, this is a great play, and it's stressful to this coverage, no matter what. I mean, this is this is a good way to attack the quarters on the backside of this coverage and, and stress out its rules. I don't know if they want Derwin James here to take to see Zay Jones and go back and then have 49, who's underneath, go, hey, wait, you take Christian Kirk, right? You see 49 there, yep. right? Or... Maybe his rules were like, hey, you're supposed to jump number three if he comes across the formation, which then would mean they just have the perfect play for this defense and there's no way you can stop it. So either way, Derwin James is kind of the jump-off point there. I don't know if he's right or wrong or whatever there. It's hard to tell, and there's different rules within that stuff. But to me, that was the moment too because I went, you know, the quickness of the score, and you went, whoa, it's only 10 points here, and now it's two scores, and they got a chance of the football, a chance to win this football game. And then it was what the subsequent drive where the Chargers went down and missed a field goal, right? And then you went, oh, Ooh, yeah, didn't right? go for fourth and three. Didn't go for See, fourth. Brandon and three. Staley got broken. Everyone broke him, and now he's like, I can't he, go for fourth down anymore. I know he's probably he's probably second guessing himself on, on yeah. third, fourth, fifth guessing himself. Yeah, um, yeah th- and and on that play too, noticing uh, you need some time to be able to throw deep, and the offensive line for the Jaguars doing a good job there. Khalil Mack Definitely. was out there. Joey Bosa was second out there. Second half, they were really good. Walker Little, I think. Yeah. Uh, Pete sent us a group text on a tweet that showed how Showing he him handled dominating Khalil Mack, especially on that last drive. Right. right. Um, so good job by the offensive line there. Uh, I got a tweet that that you're going to like here. Yeah. Uh, it comes from Mister Jet 2010. Right. He goes, "Wonder if Trevor was on the Jets, if he would have been pulled at the half." Good job by Peterson to stick with his young quarterback. Well, I, we're, we have we have two examples of stick with your young quarterback here in the show. Daniel Jones, right? I mean, we could easily gave up on him if we wanted the Jets' attitude, or if we listened to the fan base of the Giants after two years, because there was a lot of fans. Morgan will tell you she's a Giant. Oh, this Daniel Jones, he doesn't got it. Forget it. Let's move on, right? So, you know, yes, they've built Trevor Lawrence to this, and 
of course, he went through his struggles early in the year, and he survived it and fought through it and then started to carry the freaking team and do special things. And, of course, you hang in there. But that's a very funny, witty question there. And uh, it just kind of the culture down there right now. It's, it is a belief. They're young. They're starting to, they are figuring out how to win. He talked about that with me. Doug Peterson, of course, his ability there. And then, you know, hey, the game settled in, and they finally got to play the game they wanted to play a little bit. You know, sure. it was hard early on. It's hard. You can't get a drive going. We can't get completions. We keep getting a little unlucky with turnovers and not do a dumb thing, whatever else, to where they never got in a rhythm. But, again, that's where I go back to that drive at the end of the first half where I think that was big. And then in the second half, like, come on, let's talk about it. Like, it's the de- the team that was down twenty seven to nothing ran the ball more than the team that was up twenty seven to nothing. So Pete counted the plays. Yeah, once it was twenty seven nothing. Right. Chargers called twenty five pass plays, eight run plays. Right. Right. So I I texted Pete like in the fourth quarter, and you know Matt Casey, and I was like, see, this is where run people like don't realize run games important because again, I know the Chargers were staying on the field to a degree, and the drives weren't all three and out, but where people are missing is. You know, how many first and second down passes that were incomplete in the second half where you go, man, if that was just a screen or a swing pass or a run, hey, we still don't get yards, but the clock still runs, right? And that was the big thing. And that's because they couldn't depend on their run. And that's where you do need a run game, and you this is the, that's when you do want to power running back a little bit, maybe somebody different than Austin Eckler in that situation. But that's where... You know, they dropped the ball. And then, of course, the Jaguars, who they're, they're, they're up against it, they start to, you know, take a few calculated risks and let's, you know, let's run this coverage here on first and 10. And it threw the Chargers off kilter. But there were the Jaguars who did a great job of being consistent and patient on the offensive side of the ball. They let their run game continue to go in the second half. And they let their offensive line kind of wear on the Chargers' D-line. They started to break a few eight-yard run, nine-yard run, eight-yard run. The passer started to whittle away as the game went away. And I think that was all effect of the size of the Jaguars and Doug Peterson staying patient with the run in the second half, too. That yeah. made Bosa and Mack are like, shit, we're tired. And you guys are fucking big at tackles here in Jacksonville, so we're really tired. And then, of course, Bosa lost his cool, which didn't help the situation out a little bit as well. No, it did not. And no. you mentioned Doug Peterson there, too. Yeah. Uh, he's so easy to root for, I think. It's just yeah. like seeing him, and I'm a guy who likes to take chances. I'm more on the uh, let's be aggressive approach. Yeah. And he did that with 5.30 to go. He goes for two to make it a two-point game, which I loved because I think the idea of, you know, I've, I've been saying this for a little bit now. It's just like the idea of playing – for overtime is like playing to lose half the time. Yes. Like you're, you're, you're not going to – I think there was this thought kind of like, oh, you've extended the game. It's like, well, you've also extended the time the other team can win too. So if, if you have a play that you like that you think is going to work more than 50% of the time, you should try to go for it. Yeah. So they did, and they got right. the two. They still needed to get the fourth and one. Right. Big-time call there. They called timeout. Right. I guess Trevor Lawrence says that Doug Peterson, they had a play, didn't like what he saw. Just get it right. You're going for the win right there, so what are you saving the timeouts for? Like, you're going for it there. I know. When they called the timeout, I was like, ah, well, you know, because you wanted them to have three timeouts because you go, well, if they don't get it here, then they still got a chance to get the ball back. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to balance out and go, wait, do we want to win the game right here? Or are we going to play like, oh, maybe we'll give ourselves one more chance in case we fuck the game up right yeah, here. Yeah. Right. And he did the right thing. Like, let's get on the sideline. Let's get the play we really want. Let's talk about it. Hash out some of the details. And what a gutsy, cool play call. The play was awesome. Right. 
lined up to make it look like you might be doing the quarterback sneak oh, or yeah. something or fullback dive, right? It looked like it was going to be that. We Just already saw Trevor, Trevor the do back. the oh, QB yeah. sneak already, right? Yeah. And But, like, if you see here again with our next-gen stats and our dots here, there's so many people inside the tackle box. I mean, there's, like, five defensive linemen inside the tackles, right? And then just do a great job of, like, blocking down. Zay Jones cracks down. So, Zay Jones, it looked like it. I showed you this before. Yeah. It looked close to a hole. It was close. It was close. You're right. It was a little hookage of the arm. I don't think it really mattered. He made the contact. Alohi Gilman was not going to make the play. Uh, I'm glad they did not call it. I agree. But I understand what you're talking about for sure. Asante Samuel, great game. But yes. in this, does he have outside contain? He does. But this is, this is where it's hard, okay? And you, we've discussed this a little bit, too. You're playing man coverage, but you're responsible for a run gap, right? Mm-hmm. So the guy you're covering takes a step inside. Okay, well, if he does, continues to take a route, the coach is going to go, well, what the fuck? Why didn't you run with him and cover him, right? So who does he have? He's he got has. Zay Jones. Yes. So he follows Zay Jones down because he's, hey, wait, maybe he's going to work his way through and they're going to run some play action pass. He's going to run a crosser. Fake right? block. Here he right. goes. Right, and there he goes across, and I'm stuck running through trash. So he's worried about that. Yeah, that's a good call. Right? So now, but that's the problem when you play man in those kind of run situations because now, wait, I covered my guy man, but damn, coach told me I do have the outside gap, which he is there for the outside gap but it's just too late and there's a guy that runs you know four four running around the edge all good for the jacksonville jaguars except for the four interceptions and falling down 27 nothing whatever yada 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 (laughs) uh but the last thing we'll say about this game is uh is the chargers here i mean it's the first time we've ever seen in nfl playoff history a team that was minus five in the turnover margin win a game that's incredible it's incredible. Minus five. They incredible. lost it by five. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple tweets. Young and Wise 83. Hey, Chris, do you think Staley gets fired? And Bob Gorman says Staley has to go. Herbert's career is being wasted. You need to only look at uh, Tua and Trevor's vast improvement in one year with a great offensive-minded quarterback coach. Herbert needs his McDaniel or Peterson to save his career. Yeah, this is going to be quite the combo. It is. What do you mean? Well... They were on the doorstep of making the playoffs last year. Mm -hmm. They make it this year. They dealt with a bunch of injuries and fought through a lot of adversity, right? Mm -hmm. And, again, I think a lot of people were sitting there going, well, the Chargers can make a run here in the playoffs, right? Stinks the way they blew the game. And if you listen to anybody that knows anything in the NFL, Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh's number one choice is to go to the Chargers. Well, that that's kind of what anybody thinks in the NFL, right? That that's where they'd like to go, and they're not going to let that be known, of course, because there's a coach there that they're all, you know, going behind their back, politicking for this job, which isn't cool, yeah. but so is, and that's the business we're in here, right? Um, I want to say you don't fire him. I want I, I here. I don't think I would fire him. I feel like he's going to get fired though. I don't know. It's just the stigma around the situation. You like some of the things he's done. The Mike Williams injury. I do like some of the scheme-wise, some of the things he does. I thought he made it hard on the Dolphins, The defense, he does some creative things. I mean, he made it hard on the Jaguars. I mean, yeah, he does some things that schematically outside-the-box thinking that are are smart, and you go, oh, wow, that's that's really good. Um, But I think that... You know, for whatever reason, some of the injury stuff's being put on him, which is not fair. Mm-hmm. Then what you're talking about, the offense, it's not crazy explosive. 
right? And that's kind of like an issue there, which I want to go. That's not necessarily Brandon Staley. To me, it's more of a, a Joe Lombardi issue. He needs to be more creative on that side of the ball. You know, but and then you know, just the going forward on fourth down last year and then losing a game this way. Whew, I don't know where this is gonna go. I really don't. It's 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 a weird one. I wanna say it's crazy to think about firing Brandon Staley. That's what I wanna say. And I certainly would have said that even if they lost the game just in a normal fashion. But twenty seven nothing you know, I do feel like puts a little bit added pressure on the situation, but added pressure on the Spanos family who owns the Chargers. Yeah. And, and, yeah, they have a bright, shiny object that every coach wants to coach right now. Justin Herbert, he's definitely a top-five quarterback in football. And so everybody's looking at that job going, wait, is that going to come open? Because I'd like to go there. They got all the key pieces to kind of be good, and then I just got to fill in a few places here and there. Mm-hmm. And, whoa, we can, you know, be a player in the AFC for a while. I don't know. What do you think? What's your thought? Like, what's your gut? I, I don't know. I think it would have to do all with the relationship that he has with the ownership there. Yeah. You know? I know. I think if it's a good relationship and they believe in him, there's no reason what to. What about, like, do you think he deserves not give him one to more be year. fired or not? Like, it's just, you no, know, right? I it's hard to. So. I, I don't think so I mean, either. Injuries on the offensive line. Joey yeah. Bosa missed a lot of time. Right. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I think he's been pretty good. For, for a franchise that's always kind of been right here at this level, I don't know. I, I know. Like, maybe, I guess, if you can get, if you know you can get Sean Payton. But what do you got to give up to get Sean Payton? Yeah, they're going to have to give up a first-round pick, yeah, is that I would think. It? Something like that. Pay him a ton of money, which is, of course, another thing that the Spanos family is not famous for doing. Yeah. And then having Staley? to pay Brandon Staley when he's fired. He doesn't He doesn't strike me as like a, I don't know, he doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence when you just see him walking on the sideline, but that's just looks. I have no idea. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. He's, he's not, yeah, it's not... You're maybe tough, macho. It definitely doesn't have the Dan Campbell look where yeah. you're like, you know, it's it's a, it's a little bit more of a nerdy, calculated look. Like, you, hey, yeah. this guy's smart. You don't look at him. You don't look at him and go, he's definitely got things under control. There's a little element of like, all right, things might be falling apart. But I don't know. I don't well, know. Yeah. And uh, I think that's where the Joey Bosa's helmet coming off. Those are the think fair questions, too. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I think it's very much on the fence here. It really is, and I, I don't know. If you made me bet, I'd bet he's going to get fired. Well, maybe he should because they were my Super Bowl pick, and he's oh, embarrassed me now. Right. He's Good. embarrassed me. They have, been, they have been eliminated. I will not be right on the Super Bowl winner this year. And that is Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal And when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. 
try the $5 bacon bundle because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle, follow your crave. And now we move on to the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. This game I thought could be a blowout, and it looked like maybe it was going to be a blowout. Yeah. Buffalo jumped out to a 17-0 lead after a missed fourth down. Then they went touchdown, touchdown, field goal, but then became very difficult for them. Yeah. Interception, three and out, interception, field goal, fumble, return for a touchdown, six and out, three and out. Very strange for the Bills. And I, I, I kind of want to start there. And Pete's the same idea here. He goes, how do you feel about the Bills after this win? Better, worse? Because there are some things like right. good, obviously. Right. Like That's why they're in the position they are. Right. A lot of turnovers. Yeah. They're frustrating. Defense sometimes gives up some, yeah. some big plays. Yeah, it was frustrating. It was not a good performance in that football game. You know, I, I think there's some positive points that we can talk about. But, yeah, it was uh, – you know, they, they have a little bit of like – what I used to feel like more with the Chiefs, or and even still too to this point of like, you know, they just can get a little unmotivated at times, or go, oh, we got it in control, and they take their foot off the gas pedal, and they all of a sudden you're going, wait, wait, you you were just about to blow this team out, and now we're in a dogfight. Like it was literally like it was clear you were way better than this team, and what now we're kind of hanging on here. That's where they're frustrating, right? And, and and it's not – I mean, like, there's no team in the NFL that just is blowing no, everyone out. No. Like, even the Eagles have come back to earth here. So it's really – I mean, it's, like, it's hard. There's no one that's in that category right now. But it does seem – I don't know, at least for me, like, they're just always on the edge. And one of these games is just, you know, you're going to make that mistake and not going to have the second well, chance to come uh, back. Yeah, they live on the edge because it's just – they ask one guy to, to play on the edge and carry you. And that, that's always been our complaint, right? That's where, again, I just go – you know, he's, he's, yes, he's just careless. I mean, he's definitely part of the reason we can sit here and blame, right, to go, wow, this is, you're, you're one of the reasons the Dolphins got back in the football game, right? He's, he's, he's always been, the last three years, he's been great at towing the line of, like, here's aggressive and here's crazy. And he's played it just right. Right, but we've seen here the second half of this season where he's gone over to the crazy line a few times, too many times, and we go, "Dude, come on!" And yesterday was one of those moments, right? I mean, it's 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 seventeen to. First off, they blew an opportunity when it's fourteen nothing. They get down there. Dawson Knox is wide open. They throw the ball in the end zone. He drops the ball. There should be twenty-one nothing, right? They have to settle for a field goal that's seventeen to nothing. They're in control of the football game, and you know. He throws, gets a little pressure, and just throws the ball up to John Brown, who, yeah, kind of screwed him over by stopping. But at the same time, you know, it's like we've talked about with Joe Burrow and the Bengals a few times or whatever. Like, have a feel for who you're playing. You're playing Skyler Thompson and the Dolphins. Like, they got nothing. Just, you're up 17-3. to Don't take those chances. You got to make them work for everything because they're, they're not – but you're – he gave him a play and gave him momentum and gave him the short field. And that's where Buffalo was frustrating yesterday. They kind of gave Miami 
breath of fresh air a few times. You go, hey, hey, come on, get back in this game. We we want the ratings to be good for CBS. Come on, right? <laughs> I mean, it's really it's, it's like what it felt like at yeah. times. And um, yeah, that's where the Bills are a little frustrating. And it's also we get frustrated with Josh Allen, but again. This is who they are. This is how they win. They don't. They can't do it any other way. And that's the other part too. That it's like, so you got to take a little of the good with the bad because he makes so many freaking unbelievable plays. But we've seen him toe the line the right way, and he just has to get back to that because he has gotten a little crazy. Yeah, here's the good. Yeah, he's the second quarterback ever with 300 or more passing yards and three or more touchdown passes in three straight playoff games. Yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan was the other one to do that. But we got a question here from New Music Friday 3. Okay, let's see. Why were the Bills throwing so many deep and or 50-50 balls? Yeah. I think we have the passing chart for right. Josh Allen. Like when a quarterback airs it out, especially Josh Allen, hit a couple of those. Yeah. Do you think there were there were too many of that variety? Well, though? there was, but that's what the defense was telling them to do. See, the the – and this is where, I, you know, I'd like them to come up with some other ways rather than just say, hey, you run straight and I'll just throw it in and put it in the money, right? And again, I mean, one of those, the deep post down the middle, Shakir, talk about another moment that was dropped. Yeah. You know, right before the half. Now, they should be there inside. The, really, listen, Shakir falling to the ground, that was, he should walk in for the, the touchdown. He got nervous and fell to the ground and then dropped the ball altogether. He should have been able to stand. That ball was perfect. He should have been able to stand up and run in the end zone. But he hasn't played a ton. He just wanted to make the catch, so he fell. They left points on the board there. But there's a good question. And here's the biggest question. You know, or here's the biggest the biggest reason. And this is something that will not Nobody is scared of the Buffalo Bills and their receivers. Nobody. And the Dolphins certainly weren't. So they were gonna go, hey, we're not gonna let you run the ball and pick us apart for five-yard throws and play zone, and then the quarterback design runs beat us. They went, you know what, we'll take our chances with we think our guys can cover and you won't hit every 50-yard throw down the field. That's what they did. And, again, this is where I'm, I'm trying to tell people, this is where, like, I, it just, yeah, the, the talent on the offensive side of the ball in Buffalo is just, it's a little overrated. I, that's where I think people have lost. It's John, nobody wanted John Brown. Nobody wanted Cole Beasley. You know, Gabe Davis had a good game. You know my thoughts on Gabe Davis. He's good. He's not a superstar. Josh Allen does not have the weapons some of the other quarterbacks in this playoffs have. Should they have kept Isaiah Hodgins? who's now the star receiver Seriously? for the well, Giants. That's where they miss like Isaiah McKenzie, who's a little banged up, because yeah. he has a little juice to him, too. But that was the reason, I think. you know. And I was sitting there during the game, and Morgan could tell you, I kept going, Man, Bill, the Dolphins have no fear. You know, They had Xavier on digs for a good part of the game, or they tried to favor some you know, safeties over that way. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think that was the big reason why they threw some of those 50-50 balls up in the air. And then, hey, even on the other side, you know, the Bills' defense, the numbers are good, but what if you, you know, give the yards of those drops where they were big pass plays for the Dolphins to be had? Waddle yeah. dropped, what, at least two or three passes that were probably worth 75, 80 weird. yards, yeah. right? I mean, they had some big drops in the game that certainly would be concerning to, to Buffalo, too. But, yeah, none of the offensive numbers look great for Miami. Their leading rusher was Jeff Wilson with 10 carries, 23 yards. Skylar Thompson threw 45 passes, completed 40% of them. So, really, yeah. it was like the defense. I mean, defense were, and special teams. Yeah. You know, they had a great – uh, punt return. They had a few good cook mm-hmm. returns. They had the the Bills kick the ball out of bounds after scoring one time, gave them the short field. 
and then the defense with the interceptions, you know, the defense with getting pressure, right? You know, I mean, Jalen Phillips was phenomenal yesterday. He was all around Josh Allen. The tackles of Buffalo could not block him that way. Um, but, but you know, this this could be a good thing. And let's see. You know, this is one of those things that sometimes I look at teams when they play like this. They didn't play good, but they won. Yeah. So they're going to come in this week pissed off, right? Some positive vibes. We won, but no, like, oh, my gosh, if we play like that this week against the team we're about to play, the Cincinnati Bengals, we will lose. And that's where it could be a positive for them. Buffalo goes into that game having won eight straight since their loss to the Vikings. So what do you make of uh, Mike McDaniel? Yeah. Dolphins, final uh, bid on them. Because, uh, I mean, they were in this game three-point loss to the Bills with Skylar Thompson as their quarterback throwing 40%. So they made some plays, right, special teams, uh, defense. Um, But that's good. The bad is there were some penalties. Delayed game, obviously. Yeah, that was an issue all game, the getting out of the, the, you know – uh, two, there's only one mistake I think Mike McDaniel made really the whole game. It was the third and long, right? And that was the interception up the left sideline. They were up 24-20. Right. Midway through the third quarter. Right. Third and 18 right. from their own eight. Tony Romo on the broadcast, give him credit, says, you got to watch out here. You don't want to turn the ball over. And then right then they turn the ball over to interception right. and Romo goes that was as much on the coach as the quarterback definitely and he's all he's right about that Tony for sure that's one where you just go let's throw a screen let's throw a shallow cross see if he can weave through some guys maybe get a first down but let's just punting's fine here punting saw your defense is playing good you know I know it's it's Josh Allen it's dicey and all that but there was no reason to take that risk let alone there was nothing there to say that was open right and that that was a big moment of the football game. He got the Bills going. I mean, the ensuing drive, Allen, tough run for a first down. Right. Ends with a Cole Beasley touchdown. Exactly back right. on top. Back on top. Then they forced the Dolphins to go three and out, and then got it. You know, it gave them momentum to go down and score again. Right. Yep. But you know, to your question with the the Mike McDaniel thing, hey, I know we're all talking about the fourth and one where they got to delay a game. You know, Mike McDaniel after the game, he explained it. He goes, he, at first, he was told it was a first down. You know, so I don't yeah. know what he saw. And, and for all those out there, like, yeah, he could have saw the referee do the old, like, wave the chains, right? And then as soon as he sees that, he looks down at his pike sheet. Like, okay, let me get to my first down calls here. And he's going through it. And then it sounds like it's like someone told him, like, hey, it's fourth down. And he looked up. And he was like, what? Right. But getting the plays in on time or getting out of the huddle was an issue all, all game. And this, this hasn't been an issue for the Dolphins this year. Right. So this has to tell me it's this, the, the, the rookie quarterback in a tough environment. And how many times did we see him in the huddle, reading his play, team breaks huddle, few guys come back and are like, hey, what did you just say? Or what play is that? Yeah. And then he had to say it to them again. So obviously there was some stuff going on there. And that's, that's not an easy situation for a young quarterback to be in. It's always easy for us at home. I feel like we're experts as t- television viewers at time management. Like, yeah, that's what like that's we're right. not taxed with right. with calling the play and forming right. communicating it. It's like we're just looking at t- so I think we are at home. I think we're better than most NFL teams at time management because that's all we have to think well, about. Yeah, it is. We don't so, have to think about anything. Well, yeah, we don't have to think about anything else. We're in the comfort of a nice cozy <laughs> yeah. quiet place. Yeah, like you should call time you out don't here. Have to hear obvious. like yeah. people yelling at you from the stands going, "You suck, call a timeout." Yeah. Let alone the people on the field saying things to you and all that. So yeah, there's a lot more distractions there good win by buffalo little concerning though it's just a you know more in the long lines of just not playing to 
you know, their standard or, or or the level we saw them play at their best. And I think that's a little bit like what we've seen here, you know, down the stretch with uh, Buffalo altogether, right? I mean, even in weeks, the last game of the year, uh, that wasn't a pretty game. They beat the Patriots. Mm-hmm. We know if they don't have the two kick returns, I don't know if they're going to beat them, though. There, there were some issues there, right? And even the Bears game before the Bengals game, right? Christmas Eve, 35-13, but... That game was dicey for a while. They they were doing some dumb crap that day as well. And that's where it's a little like we're not going into divisional round going, it doesn't feel like the Bills are hitting on all cylinders, right? Yeah. And we'll see. Maybe they can turn that around this weekend. All right, this is a good way to get into our next game, too, because yeah. the Bengals beat a backup quarterback. Maybe it was closer than a lot of people thought. Yeah. Beat the Ravens, which was a good game on NBC. I was glad to see it that. It was a really good game. I thought this could be a blowout, and I was like, that's not good for us. Yeah. We don't want blowouts on no, NBC. We, we want close games go down to the wire and for several million people to watch it and help pay the paycheck of Chris Sims. Orion Chuzzlewit <laughs> says to us, which AFC contender, which barely made it past a backup quarterback in the wild card, wild card round, are you more concerned about, the Bills or the Bengals? So we just talked about the Bills, but the Bengals barely almost lost to Tyler Huntley, although I think Tyler Huntley has some skills. He does. Tyler Huntley is one of the better quarterbacks and backup quarterbacks in all of football. But he might not have been 100% either. Might so. not have been 100%. He certainly made some crucial mistakes that we'll, buy, we'll dive into here in a second. Were you concerned about the Bengals in this I'm more one? concerned about the Bengals. Ooh. And, I mean, I, I didn't – started the freaking Football Night in America show last night going, I think they're one of the most complete teams in football in the AFC from top to bottom, right? Concern about – the right tackles out for the year. Alex Capo didn't play yesterday. I don't know if he'll be back next week or not. But his injury was it took a pretty big blow to his knee in week week seventeen or week eighteen against the Ravens. Now Jonah Williams, the left tackle, is hurt too. That concerns me, right? Because because yeah, it, it's not. And, and Pete's in my ear going, he's on crutches and a knee brace. It doesn't look good. He ain't playing this week. I can tell you that much. I mean, it, his knee looked like it crumbled as he was trying to kind of hold his ground against a power pass rush, right? So this was an offensive line that we know was not great, but had been playing good, 15 weeks of playing together, and they had gotten to the point where we started to go, wait, they're running the ball good enough. It's not great that you have to worry about it. And they're pass rushing good enough to where – they can let some plays develop down the field now. Yeah. But now we're back to like week three bangles again, where it's like he's going to have to have seven eyes in the back of his fucking head and also be able to pull out rabbits out of his ass in the meantime to, to avoid pressure. That was, that was concerning last night. You know, One, it looked like Baltimore was all over their pass game, their simple pass game that you've heard me talk about all year, right? And I was surprised with – you know, Baltimore's ability to run the ball in the Bengals. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a little more concerned about the Bengals, I think, than the Bills. Hmm. Four sacks of Burrow. Uh, does have a good clock. Like, he knows. Like it's so He's got it's, the best clock in football. It's fun watching Joe Burrow because there are times, like, I don't know that Joe Burrow makes a bad pass. It's like there are sometimes we're like, ooh, that was off target. And they show the replay. And, and you're like, like oh, well, he kind of had to throw he it He had there. to throw it, like, right. over the fingertips of a jumping linebacker. Right. Or right. he was just trying to throw it away because nothing was there. Exactly. So it's like if any quarterback out there who who isn't as mobile as like a Lamar or a Kyler or something like that yeah. can handle it, it feels like Joe Burrow can handle it. Yeah, just makes can. things very very difficult. It makes though. it hard. More exactly difficult. right. It's just it's it's hard to live that way. And then when you have two receivers that you know can go down the field and like make some big plays, you're just you're losing that opportunity. 
you know, the Bills, hey, my concerns, yeah, they're they're there, but the Bills are we I think we put more into the classified of like, hey, let's not do dumb shit and let's just catch the ball and right? There's a little of that. This is like, no, there's some physical issues here I'm worried about. Could totally blow up what we want to do. Blow, exactly. The Ravens pass rush isn't that good and we saw them collapse in the pocket pretty quickly, you know, throughout the game, especially as the game went on. Um, so that's that's where I worry, you know, but I, I will say this, you know, one Baltimore outplayed Cincinnati. They should have won the game. They should have won the game. Mm. Their defense was great. Right. Their offense, you know, running the ball that way, consistently running the ball. And again, I'm concerned about that, but they might be the only team that can do that to the Bengals. So I don't know if I'm really concerned about the Bengals yeah. in that aspect. 155 rushing yards right. total for the Ravens. Right. Um, but and like the traditional way, too. They did. Right. But you're right. It's so unique. Is it, there another team in the playoffs like them? I don't know. The only team I would go that would maybe do that to that group there would maybe be Philadelphia. Mm. Because again, you know, I think very highly of their run-stopping abilities totally. with DJ Reader and all that. Defensive line had a pretty good day. I mean, like, they caused some problems. They caused some problems. They did. It's just, I mean, you're not used to seeing anybody run the ball on them, and they did that. And, you know, they, the defense did some good things, definitely. But, you know, again, that's where... When a team can be like so bland and so patient, and some of the basic stuff's working, then a few basic wrinkles work off of it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're stopping the run and they're throwing it short. Stopping the run and throwing it short. Oh, Demarcus Robinson, fake that short route, double move, touchdown, right? Yeah. Or hey, you know, run the ball, bootleg, run the ball, bootleg. Oh, he runs the bootleg, but oh, actually, it's a throwback to Mark Andrews on the other side, right? They had some great wrinkles. They played the game just the right way. Really. Tyler Huntley's two big mistakes really were big. The interception in the first quarter that led to them scoring their first touchdown, right? They were kind of moving the ball. It's, they were in Justin Tucker range. He throws the interception. He doesn't see the outside defender. Davis Gaither, the linebacker, does a good job, picks it off. And then, of course, the 14-point swing mm-hmm. of the quarterback sneak and then the pickup and the return for the touchdown. I mean... That's that's one where it's that's like all you need to really talk about that a moment like that you almost always lose a game, and and that big moment and that was unfortunate for the Ravens. I mean a fourteen point swing when the game is tied exactly. Right? So you're not, right. you know you're not up seven you're right. down seven. Right. Now, John Harbaugh talked about it after the game, and he mentioned how it was just poorly. He he said it was poorly executed by Tyler Huntley. The the idea was to go low and get pushed in, not to go high. Collinsworth explained it just right. He got he, nailed he was it all in the over. It. Yep. You know well it's. Like, yeah, the way they lined up was they were expecting quarterback sneak, mosh pit it, our big fuckers behind you are going to push you in the end zone. You got two downs to get in there. Right, right. He jumps up. Bengals do a good job. Reader and company do a good job of, of stalemating the offensive line. But because he's trying to go up and over and it gets stalemated, he can't go over. He can only go up because he can't clear it. Because they got enough push there yeah. to where he couldn't get his body horizontal, right? It was still going up in the vertical motion. And there's the ball. And then there goes Jermaine Pratt, who did a great job of going up, I think, at SWAT. I think it I was think Jermaine it was Pratt. Logan, I, I, was, was it Logan, Logan Wilson? Wilson? Maybe it was. I give, can't remember. It was one of those middle linebackers. Them. Either way, and then you know Sam Hubbard gets it, and they return it. It was Which, unbelievable. They asked Joe Burrow about uh, that after the game. They go, what was going through your mind as Hubbard was taking it off the other way? He goes, run faster, Sam. That's what Joe Burrow. <laughs> well, 
Can one of the three <laughs> guys turn around and block Mark Andrews? I mean, they're running down like it's a parade. They're like, yay, yeah. hey, everybody. I'm like, it's yeah. football. Can you turn around? They're chasing the guy with the ball. Uh, and then they got away with a, a block in the back, really. Uh, yeah, you, so. you think it was a block in the back? It was close. It was close. It, it was, was such a good highlight, though. You know me. Yeah. I'm always like, if the highlight's that good, don't call it. Don't call it. <laughs> don't ruin a great highlight play. <laughs> and it was. It was a playoff record, 98-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Per next-gen stats, the Bengals' win probability, you saw this on the broadcast, went from 46% all the way to 88% after that play, which seems kind of high, right? It was still a touchdown game, yeah. but whatever. I guess yeah. they hadn't seen Tyler Huntley do the good things he had done uh, in that game. Hey, Pete, what is this? Zach Taylor delivers the game ball to bar blind pig? What was that all about? Oh, uh, we, we got something. It intrigued me in the rundown here. So after the game, after every playoff win... I'm getting this explained to me in my ear in real time right here. Oh, here it is. Bengals coach Zach Taylor, tradition cool. of delivering oh, the, game ball, the game ball around Cincinnati. Year. Remember that? Oh, here he's at the blind pig here, which is right across the street from the team's facility and stadium. All right, Chris. So he might have, you know, a simple offensive game plan. But look at this man. He's behind a, a DJ booth here. DJ booth. He grabbed the microphone. He's delivering the game ball to the people there. I mean, who? What other NFL head coach is doing something like that? I, you know, this is a new tradition. It's a, it's a good way to. I love that. You know, kind of uh, bond with the fans and that get, get awesome. in the, involved with the culture of your you know city a little bit. That is so good. Zach is awesome. Zach has an edge and a toughness about him that I think we see from the Cincinnati Bengals and all that. There's everything. I love everything about the Bengals. So you know, yes, my one complaint is I wish they would be a little more creative. They're going to have to be creative, I think, with the state of their offensive line right now. It's a game changer for them. It really is. It's going to have to change the way they play, the way they call games. It's a little concerning where I wouldn't have worried about that offensive line versus the Buffalo Bills defensive line a whole lot if things were status quo. But as it stands right now, I do. And that's clearly going to be an advantage for the Bills in that matchup. Robert Babcock talks about that final drive for the Ravens. Nathaniel Hackett. And a few other coaches have been strongly criticized for their time management. So what do you have to say about John Harbaugh's incineration of the clock on the Ravens' final drive? We mentioned this before. I mean, yeah. time management, right? You, like, and, and, and Harbaugh talked about it after the game. I think clearly it probably was a mistake, but you, you can get the thought process, too. I mean, 30 seconds at that point when there's a minute, now you all of a sudden have 30 seconds. That was the, the worst part, right? Should have called a timeout. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the one where he just went, and I think that was what he threw the ball over the middle of the Dobbins. Then they took forever to like. They huddled up, and they, then they they go, hu- the clock goes from a minute to basically thirty-three seconds. Thirty-four seconds. Thirty-four yeah. seconds. I think they snapped the ball before that at a minute seventeen. A minute. That's where I was just like, I don't get what they're doing here. It's a what's, mistake. What's going on here? You know that 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 was by far the most bizarre moment. I don't I don't know what the thought was. I can't defend it. Um, but yeah, that's one where call the timeout. We regroup yeah and you can kind of assemble a game plan here for the current status because i think that was their last time out right uh no they had one more time they out had after one that. more they had one more time yeah. out after yeah. that yeah so uh, that's that's uh i did i did not understand did they not he's usually like, really good at that well even huddling up like did they not have like a what is it i mean like a, it's a two-minute offense yeah right? yeah i, I mean they had doing. kind of been in the no huddle mode i don't know what the Happened. thought there was yeah. and that's where i gotta kind of go back and unpack it and kind of just see what exactly they were looking at. But, yeah, they did not give themselves a, a fair opportunity there to, to take real legitimate shots at the end zone. All right, last thing, and we'll talk about this all off season until it's resolved. I guess Lamar did not even travel with the team. I don't know how rare that is. There's a lot of teams that do that. 
They don't what? take injured guys on the road. Yeah, because if you're injured, you're just not part of the team, right? Yeah, you're That's... not. You know, sometimes those guys can be a distraction, right? You know, even the night before the game. Hey, he's that guy's not worried about anything. Hey, come to my room. I'm playing yeah. video games. Oh shit, it's too late. Well, uh, yeah, I don't have to play tomorrow. You do. See you later. They don't want that. Seems different though if it's your franchise quarterback. A little bit, but yes. that's the question: Is it he is. the franchise quarterback? Well, he is. I just don't know if it's going to be for them. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's fair to question. They're. You heard Mike Florio last night. You've heard me talk behind the scenes. They're at the throw-your-hands-up spot. They don't know what to do. They can't plan for the future. You know, yeah, there's injury worries here. They can't figure out certain details of the contract. You know, I think there's some guys that think he could have maybe put the knee brace on and gutted it out and played. You know, as I told you a few weeks ago, I was told by people in the know there that, you know, it was just three weeks ago or maybe two and a half weeks ago, his knee was still the size of a bowling ball, and that was being questioned whether they thought he could even play for a wild card game back then, right? But I think when you take all that into account and, yeah, the situation, I think it's dicey in Baltimore. I do. And I don't think it's a good look for him that they got the deal done with Roquan Smith, who has no agent, right? Mm. So that doesn't make Lamar and his camp look any better here. It, it makes it look like, wait, wait, they can get it done. It's, it's something with you. Right, so he's not going to get. A, I don't think he's going to get a long-term deal from the Baltimore Ravens. He's going to get franchised, and we'll see what happens. Or he's going to get franchised, and he's going to get traded. He's and not going to want to play under the franchise tag. I, would, I wouldn't think so. I would imagine. I wouldn't think so. You know, and Florio s- seems to think that there was an offer made to him, which I had heard, and Jake Glazier reported that. And all that somewhere, I think in the hundred and eighty million range, as far as all that, Florio doesn't think if they make another offer, he's not going to get the same size of an offer that he did. That the money will be lost over this year. Oh, right. So, well, that would be a problem. It's going to be interesting. Uh, the one thing I keep connecting dots with, because I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel like this marriage is coming to an end. Yeah, it does. Feel it like has that, that feel, and him being from South Florida and Miami. And I wonder with the Tua situation, that's the one area I keep looking at going, I could see Lamar because he would fit that offense. Oof. And, of course, being from there. Oh my now, gosh. does Miami have the assets to trade and get them? I don't know. They might have to trade some players, too, because they've traded a lot, of, a lot of picks away to get certain players. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting. And, yeah, I think there's an exhaustion from the Ravens of Lamar Jackson. And I don't know what Lamar Jackson's thoughts are, but I'm sure he doesn't feel great that he doesn't have a long-term deal yet. Well, you know what? Maybe you don't need a franchise quarterback because maybe any old quarterback will do. If you're the San Francisco 49ers, that is the case. Our final game to talk about uh, that happened already. We've got the Monday game to talk about, of course. But the 49ers beat the Seahawks 41-23. Not maybe as easy as the score indicates. The Seahawks were up by one at the half. But then in the second half, here's what the 49ers did. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Field goal victory formation, twenty-five straight in the second half. It's just a, it's just as as we've said since the beginning of the, the season. It's only a matter of time before Brock Purdy and the Forty ers offense gets going. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> it really is it's an unstoppable machine right now. And, and you know, and really, like, I'm not saying this to be critical. We're up thirteen-seven early and should have been more than that. He didn't play well early in the game, right? I mean, he missed some throws. He missed a touchdown on the first drive. Or, I think it was the first drive. Maybe it was the second drive where they had to settle for a field goal. But he had Brandon Ayuk. He threw the ball like five seconds late. It should have been like no contest, easy touchdown. But he settled in. Seahawks battled, you know, early on. They were selling out to stop the run and take that away. 
You know, and Gino and them who struggled, they finally hung in there and put together a drive and, you know, hung in there for a while where we were like, man, can Seattle keep this up? Are they going to be able to, you know, make a play every now and then on the 49ers offense? And then is Gino going to be able to make some plays like this consistently throughout the game? And it kind of felt like, man, they're going to keep answering the bell here. But the pass rush of the 49ers got there. And once they got that strip sack at 23-17, the game was never the same after that. Yeah, after that, they went – because these are all the second-half possessions for Seattle. They go fumble, strip sack in the red zone, punt, interception, garbage time, touchdown. Yeah. So that was it. That was it. Not a whole lot of possessions, right? 49ers able to eat the clock, which is what they can do. Exactly right. right. That's their formula. That's where they're scary. They can three yards, four yards, three yards, four yards, and then they get it like the 25-yard line, they get a 25-yard touchdown. And you're like, whoa, okay. But, yeah, they can kind of do it both ways. They can eat up the clock and go on long drives. They're explosive. And can do like we saw on their last touchdown drive, two-play, 76-yard drive. But it's like it all starts with the run game, like, magician of Kyle Shanahan's game planning. And the fact that Seattle was so overmatched in that department, right, that we're sitting there watching the game. We made a tape for the the high, you know, the pregame show on Saturday night before the Chargers-Jaguars. And, they, you know, they usually come to me, hey, what do you think the tape is for the 49ers game? What's the thought? And I was like, running the ball and crossing routes. Because, I mean, every threw, every ball he threw was Kittle across the middle, Ayuk across the middle, this guy across the middle. And all shapes and sizes of them, but mainly like 15 and 20-yard crossing routes that right. were gashing the Seattle Seahawks defense because they were so worried about stopping the run. So Purdy is the first rookie quarterback to win a playoff game since Russell Wilson in January of 2013. Seahawks fans love to hear that stat. Chow Jr. says what you just mentioned. Purdy threw 10 times over 20 yards in the game. Was that by design? Did he make the right read? So we have the passing chart for Brock Purdy. But, yeah, definitely stretching the field. Something they have done more with Brock Purdy than we have seen them do with really any quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. included. He's, he's more consistent throwing those balls, I think, than Jimmy Garoppolo ever was. You know, he just he has great control that way. And what I think they did there, yeah, that was by design. And it was by design because that's what the defense was telling Shanahan and company to do. You know, I, I think that's where it's cool with the 49ers. He's obviously in the trust tree to where the coach doesn't go like, wow, they're playing run defense, but I'm going to keep running it because I don't really trust them. He goes, oh, well, they're playing run defense like that. Well, I'm going to dial it up. Brock's going to hit it. And that's, that's amazing. And then the ability, like, go back and watch some of the plays and how they look exactly like the run play. Or it's the same pass pattern down the field, but they just changed up the fake behind it and, and the window dressing to where you don't think it's going to be the same play. And you go, oh, wait, they just burned me with the same play they burned me with five minutes ago. It was exactly the same, except it just looked different at the start. And that's where he's amazing. Um, but, yeah, the running game and the deep crossers and everything worked. And everything then the defense works. started to dominate, and it all started just falling together. Vish Kumaran, our guy Vish. What up, Vish? Tweets us, says, has Brock Purdy done enough to be the starter for the 49ers next year? Is what he's doing a byproduct of the environment, or do you think there's a sustenance to this insanely efficient offense with him under center? I think it is interesting. You hear some people talk, and they go, if Brock Purdy makes it to the Super Bowl with the 49ers, the job is his next year. And I'm like, well, we say that. And then, know. you know, you know, it makes one bad pass like Jimmy Garoppolo right. overshooting a receiver, and you're like, oh, he's not the guy. He right. didn't make it in the big moment. So I think we got it's always in question, but... 
like, <laughs> it's crazy to say, last pick of the NFL draft, like, has he has he won the job going forward? I, unless it's just a monumental, like, like meltdown, he will be given the starting quarterback reps when they come back in OTAs and training camp. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, like clearly they like something in him to draft him, even though it was a late round draft pick. You Listen, can just get this some is, guys in free agency. This is why I was saying draft fucking Mac Jones. This is why. I mean, he's a lesser Mac Jones, and yes, this is sustainable because if, as long as you're smart and have control of the football, Shanahan, the team they have, they don't ever make it all about the quarterback. So he's just going to be hey. Fuckhead, listen to this. I'm telling you the keys of the play right here. Watch this guy. If you could just listen to me, it'll be open, right? That's all he needs. Now, listen, if the offense and the team's not as good, like, yeah, Brock Purdy's not going to be the guy that's going to be like, hey, I'll scramble out of the pocket and throw sidearm lasers down the field and carry you that way. No, I don't think he's going to be that. He's a quarterback that needs a little bit of a formula for success. But the way their team looks right now, that formula is going to be there for a few years. And so that'll be interesting. It really will be. But, yeah, I, I, to, to that point, I think, like, unless he throws four picks and they lose one of these playoff games that way, I don't think there's any doubt that he's taking the first team reps when they come back in the spring in the training camp. It's so funny. When you say he's a lesser Mac Jones, I can just hear people be like, lesser Mac? This guy's way well, better than Mac right. Jones, which, you know, don't you fall said into that the yeah I know five weeks ago people were like who Brock who <laughs> well don't fall into the trap you know again we we've seen this from Shanahan before I'm starting to see Brock Purdy his first ten starts are the greatest first ten starts in the history of football and he's up there with quarterbacks that are like first ballot Hall of Famers you know and that's where I just that's the Shanahan effect that's the genius of Shanahan Nick Mullins went through the same type of thing now I think this guy's a better player than Nick Mullins right and. Yeah. Uh, and all of that. But, yeah, that, that, that's just, again, it's the NFL. The 49ers are making a habit of beating everybody by 20. Like, it just doesn't happen. It's in, I mean, uh, give uh, a lot of credit to Shanahan, yes, yes, and Brock Purdy, but Christian McCaffrey is elite, exactly. and he was again. Get him in the open field. He had 119 yards rushing, right. had some uh, in the past game, too. And then they got Debo back, exactly. and he seems probably as healthy as he's been. That 74-yard touchdown next-gen uh, next stat said, right. Uh, Debo reached the top speed at 20.3 miles per hour, the fastest he has been as a ball carrier all, all season long. Yeah, he's uh, explosive. Well, well, those three healthy, Debo, Kittle, McCaffrey, and most importantly, the biggest thing is is just the running game. That's when this all started to explode. When they kind of got the O-line figured out, McCaffrey got there, and they started to go – we can run right up the middle, and you know it, and I know it, and my mama knows it, and we're still going to get eight yards. And when they started doing that, then it becomes, oh, shit, because everybody starts worrying about that, and then Shanahan can do all these things off of it that make them so tough. And uh, they are definitely the hottest team in football and definitely. definitely the best team in football right now. I know the Eagles are the number one seed, but we saw the Eagles kind of play unmotivated down the stretch. They're the only team I look at right now, the only team that I kind of go, they're hitting on all cylinders, right? Yeah. When we just went through the Bengals and the Bills, obviously not hitting on all cylinders, right? The 49ers are that only team. The Chiefs, I feel like, kind of got on that week 18 and showed some, like, glimmers of that down the stretch. Yeah. 
Um, but fell into that trap of like kind of unmotivated and we're the Chiefs and we'll just step on the gas pedal whenever we want. But uh, the 49ers are clearly playing better football than anybody in the game right now. Would not be surprised if it was Chiefs 49ers in the Super Bowl once yeah. again. That almost seems likely at this point. Final word on the Seahawks. Where do they go from here? Geno's back at quarterback probably. Definitely. Gotta be. Gotta be. Just improve the defense. Y- yeah. I think the offensive line, they're young. Mm. They will improve. I think there's a lot of things there to like. But, I mean... Gino, the way he played, Lockett, Metcalf, and Walker, you got something there. Noah Fant, a tight end. There's plenty to work with there. It is all defense. They're a little like your Lions team. Uh, to yeah. me, it's a little bit like that, where you go, hey, a lot of things in offense are in place. Like my Lions, they have a top pick. Lions pick six. Seattle picks five. Right. I mean, they're there's going to uh, be a quarterback available. They're probably, getting, yeah, right? they got the Broncos pick, right? They got the Broncos so, pick. I know. Yeah. I, you know, again, that's that's what they're going to have to decide. Do they want to go quarterback? Do they think they can ride the Geno wave? Geno's a young, thirty-three or four, whatever he is, and you can see he still moves really well. His arm's still alive. Yeah, right. But they need they need some ass kickers up front, like. N- and it's 32. Okay, so he's 32. Um, need some big dudes. They need some difference makers, some disruptors, right? I, you know, I, I talk to most people, just normal fans, that they don't know anybody on the defensive line for the Seattle Seahawks, right? Uchena Nwosu is really the only guy that pops, mm-hmm. right? So they need some guys there to make a difference. You know, maybe another corner to add to the mix, but um, I think there's a lot of good things in Seattle for the future. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. But, sadly... The future of this season we is over, and now, and now we say goodbye to all the playoff teams who have lost. They're just like the regular season teams who didn't make the playoffs. Damn, now. you just we spared you for a few weeks. It's like, what would you rather do? Right? Would you rather make the playoffs and lose your first game, right, or not make the playoffs and just not have to worry about no, it? No, it's definitely make the playoffs <laughs> and lose the first game. Unless and you're the Lions. As much as Lions, hurt- Lions were better. Lions end of the season, you could not write it better. That's like pretty if, good. If the Lions, exactly, like, like no, like the Lions are Seahawks here, Pete, because if the Lions had made it, they would have played the 49ers, probably gotten blown out the same 41-23. <laughs> like, who feels better, the Lions or the Seahawks? Well, the, the Seahawks do. The ones what? that, yeah, because they got a, uh, like probably $30,000 extra cash in their pocket, <laughs> so they feel better yeah, that's a good from point. that playoff game. That's that, a good that, point. That's right. And they can just say they went to the playoffs, so. They got a little bragging rights. Yeah, Lions said we should have been. We would have done well in the playoffs. Right. We would have beat the 49ers. Right. We can say that. No one can prove us uh, otherwise. Uh, but we will. So, Kristen, do we have the music to say goodbye to the five teams so far uh, that lost in the first round of the playoffs? We'll start with the Seattle Seahawks. It's a season that brought unexpected success, despite ending in a bit of a mess. 
They started to lose their flow when Chris changed a name from Gino to the ill-advised nickname of G-Yes. <laughs> That's when it started to go downhill a little bit for them. Blaming to me again, huh? Well, it just seemed and like... It seems like any time a quarterback has a bad problem, <laughs> it's my fault. When it goes good, nobody goes, hey, Chris, it's because of you. Yeah, if you high-five a quarterback like right. Joe Burrow or interview him, Trevor right. Lawrence. Yeah. Don't high-five Justin Herbert because I like him. They're my Super Bowl <laughs> pick this year. They might be next year, too, depending on what happens in the offseason. Uh, Chargers now. It's a team that everyone likes to clown. To charger means blowing every lead around. Yes, Staley longs for the time way back in his prime when his biggest problem was effing up fourth down. Those are the easy times. Those are the easy Those were the days. Damn. Right? That was all I, I had to worry about. I used to be able to about. cash those receipts. <laughs> uh, Baltimore Ravens. John Harbaugh, goodbye. Going into the offseason with his timeout in his back pocket. It's a team that used to be atop the throne. Are the issues with Lamar overblown? He could still be part of the show, except for the fact two months ago, he completely stopped answering the phone. Like, Lamar, are you there? Hello? Can we get a contract done? <laughs> Voice, do you think Lamar has one of those where it's like you can't even leave a message? It's just like the mailbox is full and it's like you can't. It's like, oh gotta call back yeah you're right yeah it could be he could be one of those guys there's a lot of those guys in the nfl though so i don't want to i don't want to judge him i was never one of those guys i was not but there's a lot of them in the nfl for okay. sure uh miami dolphins maybe two is one of those guys although i don't think so i think two would be a guy that would clean up his voicemail so you could leave a proper message uh good news it took a week longer to be dismissed and mike mcdaniel gave the offense a twist but now that their season's completed, Dolphins fans are about to get heated when they have no one in Chris Sims' top 40 quarterback list. <laughs> it's about to get bad. You're on fire. <laughs> it's about to get bad again, yeah. Tua and will be back. No, Tua will make the list. Definitely. Probably, probably, definitely. 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 Don't know how high, but final team, the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, no. Bye-bye, The 13-win Minnesota oh, Vikings. Gee, man. Their season went up in flames. I'd understand their fans calling them names. But they don't need to ball because, above all, they were almost undefeated in one-score games. Uh, I mean, it's so close. Almost. 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 What a great year. That's just right. Lost, just lost one. Just lost one. Only the most important one. 11-1. and one. To the team that's still playing, the Ooh. New York football Giants. And I had one written mid-game on the Jacksonville Jaguars. That. And you got to stop. We'll save it. Maybe we'll never use it. Who Maybe knows? Maybe not. Maybe they'll go on a run. Yeah. Don't jinx them, though. Yeah. Jeez. I know. You're right. You're yeah. right. All, right. All right. That's it. That's it. That's it. Right. Oh, we did Ravens. Yeah, we did Ravens. Yeah, Pete. Come on, Pete. Listen to the show. That was the whole phone thing. Freaking A, Pete. I know. Uh, All right. Well, we got a little Sunday, uh, Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yet. Oh, yeah, it's not done. We're not hey, done we're yet. We're not clapping it up yet here, Slugger. Come on, okay. fourth quarter. Four quarters of football. Getting playoff shape. So Shit. We, so we have the updated NFL playoff bracket. Uh, here it is. There we are. We'll be in Kansas City next week for the pregame. Hour and a half show. Oh, that's right. Three you get to travel because the first game. That's right. Yep. I'm staying at Mahomes' house, uh, and then I'll uh, be back here on Monday. <laughs> Do you think you'll interview Mahomes? I hope so. I raised my hand yesterday. No, no, no. I think Maria gets that interview. Uh, probably. She, I think she got him once already oh, this so year. maybe they need right? to switch so, things up. Hopefully. Yeah. I've never in- interviewed Mahomes, so that that would be cool. You should get. You I should would like interview to. Mahomes. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. I really am. And this, to me, coming up is the best weekend of football of the year. Yeah, it, it's, it's the eight best teams. 
It is. And I know some people can argue the Jaguars, but mm-hmm. I think everything else is, is just about right. And we'll see how it plays out tonight because I am excited for this Buccaneers-Cowboys yeah, who, game. Who's going to play in San Francisco on Fox, 630 Eastern oh, on Sunday? That rating our, is going to kill it. Our Bet MGM Parlay Preview. The number five seeded Cowboys at the number four seeded losing record Buccaneers. Dallas only favored by two and a half over under a 45 and a half. You have picked the Cowboys to go into Tampa, upset Tom Brady 24 to 20. Give me your reasoning. Yeah, it's it's scary. Dallas is better than Tampa, first off, but didn't look like it at the end of the regular season. Well, and and, and to your point and what we talked about on last Wednesday's podcast. It's a matchup league, right? We talk about this all the time. Teams can be better in totality, but not necessarily in that specific matchup. I do think the Bucks pose some problems for the Buc- uh, the Cowboys as far as this matchup, mm. you know, because like a little bit of what we saw, you know, I, what, what I gotta see, and to me, the biggest thing in this game is going to be, you know, can the Buccaneers? How much can the Buccaneers stay out of obvious passing situations? And if they have to be in too many second and nines and third and eights and all that, they are going to lose the game. They're not going to be. They can't block Dallas pass rushing. They couldn't block them week one. They won't be able to block them now. The run game is the one thing I go. Can they do that? And it's weird. They are bigger than Dallas. We know that. Dallas. We've talked about it a lot, right? It's smaller. They have to put a lot of people at the line of scrimmage. But Tampa hasn't run the ball other than week one and then against the Seattle Seahawks in Germany. They have not really been able to run the ball on anybody. Dallas is better right now than they were in week one, mm-hmm. right? So that, to me, is the, the, going to be the key of the game. And within that, too, like we talked about on Wednesday, is Dallas going to have to go to such an extent to stop the run that it's going to leave Diggs one-on-one against Evans and, and those type of matchups. Somebody, because that's going to favor Brady and them. They're, they're going to win those. They're going to have the pick plays. They're going to throw back shoulders. They're going to, he's going to throw the ball and the money down the field. They're going to have some of the screen plays to the receivers we talk about because you've got too many people bunched in trying to stop the run. So that's what I'm interested to say. But I'm going to say, and I'm going to go with what I saw all year, not just you know cherry-picking one or two games, that – Dallas will be extremely motivated in this football game. The end of the year was weird. Mm-hmm. It was. They didn't really have much to play for. And then uh, I, I, I think they're going to be able to slow down the run enough to where it's going to put Tampa into some real passing situations, and I think those totally favor uh, the Dallas Cowboy defense. So that's where I like it. And, again, I do think Dallas, balanced offense, they'll be able to run the ball enough against this group. I think yeah. it'll be a fun, close game, 24-20 Cowboys. This will be our first thing we talk about on Wednesday. Right. And it'll be fascinating for the loser of this game, yeah. right? If yeah. Tampa loses, like Brady, what does he do? Da, da, da. If Dallas loses first-round exit, it's like, okay. I know. Sean Payton's in the mix there, you'd have to think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so whoever loses this game will be a top story. It will be. Cowboys are... You know, talented football team, and by all due accounts, look like they should beat the Bucks, but they have not thrived in these situations. I think the, I mean, two twelve win year wins year two twelve wins year in a row, twelve win years in a row. <laughs> there we go, there we go. Twelve Is, win seasons. I don't know how you fire Mike McCarthy. Yeah. I, I don't. I just that I'm like, what? Like, really? I and mean, Jerry, I, I, we've learned this. He's a very loyal 
guy. He is. I That's, mean, like he sticks by, which is like yeah. great. And, like I feel like he's one of the guys where it's just like he's sticks by Zeke. He's stuck by Jason Garrett for a long time when people called for him to to make a move. And Mike McCarthy. I feel like everyone's like, come on, Jerry, be like everyone else here. It's kind of strange. Yeah. It's where everyone's like, what? No, no. Have patience. How do you fire a guy after one year? Like Jerry's the opposite of that. He is. Yeah. He's maybe to his detriment. A lot of ways, maybe but, yeah, to his detriment. But with, with coaches, you're right. Respect it. You're right. And the Bucks thing, you're right about that. I mean, I, this could be. Hey, I'm, you got to tune in tonight. This, this could be Tom Brady's last game. I mean, plain and simple. So that's worth the price of admission right there. And I'm I'm excited to see Joe Buck and Troy Aikman call it. The action never stops at BetMGM. You can sign up now using the bonus code SIMS. Your first wager is free up to $1,000. So say you bet $100 on Zeke Elliott to score the first TD, you will win $800. But if you lose, you still get $100 worth of free bets. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com. Enter the bonus code SIMS to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. As always, bet responsibly. Don't lose $1.4 million like we saw someone out there who bet on the Chargers when they were up 27 to win. They would have won 11000 hmm. which is a good chunk of change, wow. but not worth risking $1.4 million, which that person, man or a woman, now does not have. Well, yep. Um, I hope they had more millions to go along with it Probably and didn't ruin did. their life. Hopefully I'm, it wasn't the only $1.4 right, they right. had in their bank account. Right, right. And, and, and if it's not, like if they have lots of millions – then eat it. I'm glad you lost your one point. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, give it to the casinos. They right. could use it. Right, uh, yeah, right. They could use it, right. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's it. We did it. Monday podcast. It's in the books. Super wild card weekend. Not totally complete yet. We will dive into the Cowboys Buccaneers reaction. Hopefully I should be able to watch that film even before we do the podcast. You know what we're going to do. We're going to break down the games that a little further of what we saw. Look ahead. That's going to be probably the game plan. Look for us to break down a few plays on social media too that were relevant to last weekend and maybe relevant to some of the matchups this week. Everybody be good. Enjoy it. Bucks Cowboys Monday Night Football. Brady versus Dak Prescott. Mm. Clap it up. Way to go G-Man. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.